Hey, we are so glad that you're here. Um, by the way, how many of you were here last week? How many of you here last week? Yeah. So those of you that were here last week, you remember that we were upstairs in Williams Auditorium. How cool was that? Right? That was pretty amazing. And maybe you in your mind were like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to spend every week up in Williams. And then, surprise, here we are uh, downstairs. Here's the good news. Here's the good news. Uh, this is only temporary. Next week, we are back up in Williams Auditorium. We're going to be there from now until kingdom come. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. So you want to make sure that you keep inviting your friends back because it's a pretty, pretty cool room that we get to be a part of there. Now, uh, in addition to actually being up there in Williams Auditorium, uh, we also started this new series called Battlefield. That's right. Uh, not, do we have some people singing just then? That was, yeah. Yes, yeah, so we, uh, we started this series uh, about a week ago. Sorry. Uh, yeah. That's it. Uh, we started this series about a week ago, and uh, here's what we do. Here's what we do with these series is we talk about a certain topic for like four weeks, and each of the weeks kind of builds on one another. And so uh, week two kind of builds on week one and week three and week two and week one and stuff. So if you missed week one, which was last week, then tonight I think is going to make a lot of sense to you, but maybe it might not quite make as much sense to you uh, if you didn't hear last week. So if you missed last week, fear not, we've actually got a really cool resource for you. You can go to this website, 12stone.com slash m12stonesl. And if you go there, you can actually download our weekly podcast. Uh, if you've got an iPhone, uh, you can actually subscribe to it as well. So that way you keep getting the podcast of every single sermon that we ever do. That way, even if you're not able to be here, you can actually, uh, you can actually listen in. And that's good news for you today because um, if you like fall asleep tonight, then you can always listen to tonight's message as well, which will be really good. So, uh, so anyways, we started this series Battlefield, and you guys might remember this. The big bottom line idea is the struggle is real, yes. right? The struggle is real. Uh, and, and, and many of you have experienced this, right? Because after all, uh, they messed up your Starbucks order, right? Ah, oh. oh, the struggle is real. Or like, or like your parents that like love you were five minutes late picking you up from school and you're like, ah, the struggle, the struggle is real, right? Or maybe for you, maybe for you the struggle is that you're dating someone or maybe for you the struggle is that you're not dating someone but you wish you were dating someone, right? Don't, I mean, don't point, don't point at the person, don't do that, right? But the struggle... We get this, the struggle is real. And here's what we said last week. Here's what we said last week. We said not only is the struggle real, but the struggle is spiritual. In other words, as you struggle with other people, as you struggle in relationships, as you struggle at school, as you struggle at home, underneath that struggle, there is a spiritual reality that is unseen. And so your struggle is not just real, but your struggle is spiritual. And not only that, we said when you struggle against someone, it's not just you struggling against someone. And then we said this phrase. We said, your enemy is not who you think it is. See, because you might think your enemy is your friend, or you might think your enemy is your best friend, or you might think your enemy is your ex-best friend, or your boyfriend, or your ex-boyfriend, and you think those people are your enemy, but the truth is there's something spiritual happening. And so what that means is your enemy, your enemy 
is not who you think it is. Now, now, last week, some of you might have been sitting here listening to the message, and maybe the question that popped up in your head is, well, who's our enemy? Well, if our enemy is not who we think it is, then who is our enemy? In fact, we spent all of last week talking about who your enemy is not, so that today we could talk about who your enemy is. And some of you that maybe have grown up in church and you're like, you're down with Jesus and you're down with the Bible and you've kind of read ahead, uh, then you might know the answer to this question, who is our enemy? Yeah, that's right. The devil. And maybe for some of you that's kind of weird because maybe in your mind when you think of the devil, you think of this, right? You think of this guy and he's red and he's got a pointy tail and, and like vampire teeth, I guess, I don't know. And a bow tie because he's a fancy devil. You know what I'm saying? That's a fancy devil. Or maybe, maybe for you, when you think of the devil, you think of Satan, maybe you think of this guy. And uh, <laughs> here's the thing. Even if he wasn't dressed in red tights, I would be a little creeped out by this guy. You know what I'm saying? Like just, just he's like kind of creepy. And I think, it's, I think it's the goatee, right? The goatee makes you automatically creepy. So anyways... Uh, plus he's got a pitchfork, which I don't really know why the devil has a pitchfork. Maybe he's got some like, you know, bales of hay that he's trying to get rid of or something. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, maybe for you, when you think of Satan, you think of this. Uh, you think of cats, right? How many of you think like the devil, the devil is cats, just all cats in general, Those of you, okay, those of you, real quick, those of you that think, uh, that think cats are nice, those of you that think cats are nice, I'm here to help you. I'm here to help you. No, they're not, okay? And if you continue thinking cats are nice, one day you're going to grow up and you're going to have 30 of them roaming around and you're going to be that creepy cat lady. And I'm trying to save you from that, okay? I'm trying to save you from that. And then, and then this is another thing that happens. There's another thing that happens when it comes to like the devil or Satan is for some reason there's parents out there that I don't understand these parents, but those parents take their kids that like aren't even old enough to think and then around Halloween time they do this and they dress up their kid as the devil and here's the deal, I don't care how bad your kid is, don't do that to him, you know what I'm saying, don't. Like, like poor little Timmy, what did he ever do to you? Like, why are you doing that to him? That's so mean. This guy is going to grow up, and 30 years from now, he's going to be talking to his therapist, and he's going to be saying, it all started when my parents said I was the devil because of this, right? That's where it begins. And so, and so I think for a lot of us, I think for many of us, if we're kind of honest in this room, you... Um, when you think of Satan or when you think of the devil, you think of this guy and he's red or maybe he's wearing red tights and he's got horns or a goatee or a pitchfork or something. And it's so like fanciful and it's so much like a cartoon that, that maybe for you, you just don't even think he's real, right? I mean, after all, we're, we're too smart for that. We're too, we're too sophisticated for that. Like, 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 haven't we moved beyond this little creation in our minds? In fact, I did some research, and uh, there's a statistic that's out, and it says this, 60% of Christians, okay, these are people that are following after Jesus, 60% of them in the U.S. don't think Satan is real, right? They think he's like, he's like a leprechaun at the end of like a rainbow, 
you know, and he's got his pot of gold. Or maybe, or maybe for you, Satan is a lot like Santa Claus, or he's a lot like the Easter Bunny, that it's a nice thought, but real? I don't think he's, I don't think he's real. In fact, um, this, this is something that, as I think about Satan and the way that we kind of portray him in our culture, it's, it's, it's very easy for us to think he's just made up, and he's just not real. But, but there's a problem with that. And the problem is when you look at Scripture, which is God's Word, Satan is all over the place. Like you just can't seem to get away from him. In fact, I did some research, um, about an hour or two uh, worth of research, and this is what I found. I found that 27 books in the Bible, 27 books, yep, it's the next one. Here we go. 27 books in the Bible mention Satan by name. And there are other books of the Bible that, that, that mention him, but they don't quite mention him by name. So I only counted the ones that specifically mention him by name. And 27 of them mention Satan. So according to scripture, it seems like he's real. In fact, not just that, but the very first book of the Bible ever written was a book uh, named Job. And uh, it's, it's spelled like Job, but it's pronounced Job, and I don't get it, but that's just kind of the way it is. In Job, there's three main characters, main characters, like the three pr- primary people in Job are Job, um, which is no surprise, and God, and Satan. So not only is Satan mentioned, but he is a main character. And then not only that, but in the last book ever written of scripture that we have, which is called Revelation, Satan is a main character too. And then Jesus, listen to this, Jesus, who's like the son of God, like God in human flesh sent down to earth, Jesus couldn't stop mentioning him either. In fact, in all four of the gospels, Jesus mentions Satan by name, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then all of the followers of Jesus, all the people that love Jesus, mention Satan by name too. And so as we look at scripture, as we look at these spiritual experts, it seems to me like they believe he's real. Like the devil actually exists. And finally, we get to this truth. We get to the fact that belief does not determine existence. That belief does not determine existence. Here's what I mean. Um, You can't believe something into existence. You can't. And you can't believe something so hard that you make it disappear and you make it no longer exist. In other words, as hard as you may try, as hard as you may try, you can't believe me out of existence. You can't really, really, really wish that I wasn't real because guess what? I'm real and I'm right here. In fact, you could gather up 10 of your friends and say, I don't think Steve is real, but that's not going to change a dang thing because I'm still standing on the stage because belief, belief does not determine existence. In fact, some of you try this with your ex-boyfriend, right? You just wish that he wasn't real, but too bad. He's still in your class, and I'm sorry, right? Because belief, belief does not determine existence. And so that means that, that our, our struggle that's spiritual, there is an enemy that is behind our struggle, and that enemy is real. And not only is that enemy real, but he's bigger than you. And this is, this is the thing that's kind of funny. Um, I follow a lot of you on Twitter uh, and on Instagram. And um, some of you might wonder, like, does he actually, like, read my tweets? Uh, I do. I do, actually. And then sometimes I use them as sermon illustrations. So this is fun. Uh, so I'm not going to call anyone out, so don't worry. Um, but uh, I have seen these tweets, and, and, and it's kind of something that's happened on more than one occasion, where, where many of you who, like, love Jesus, which is amazing, and I think you're well-meaning, that, that you'll tweet something along these lines. You'll say something like, devil's trying to get at me. 
uh-uh, I'm going to take him down. And you're like, you're like so into it. And you're like, no, 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 I'm going like, to show him, right? I'm going to show the devil. And I, and I read that, and the thought I have in my mind is, no, you won't. No, you won't. Because he's bigger than you. Your enemy is bigger than you. And see, he's real. He is the enemy of your soul. He's behind all of the spiritual struggle that you go through. And, and he's bigger. He's bigger than you. In other words, if you and Satan had this like arm wrestling match, he would win every time. Because see, you don't stand a chance against him. Because he is that much bigger than you. And so the question for tonight is, well, then what do you do? What do you do when your enemy is bigger than you? What do you do when you've got an enemy and your enemy is real and he's the one that's behind all of your spiritual struggle? What do you do when your enemy is real and bigger than you? And this is exactly the question that people were wrestling with. In fact, this is the reason that Paul mentioned Satan by name in Ephesians chapter 6. And so I want to look there together at what Paul said. So if you would, hopefully you've got a Bible. Um, let's look at Ephesians chapter 6. If you've got one of our Bibles, we're going to look at uh, page 1,177. So page 1177. And, uh, and I want to look at this thing together. This, by the way, these are the same verses that we looked at last week. Um, and as you might remember, Paul was a guy who was leading a group a lot like M12. And he cared about M12, and he was hoping that M12 would continue to mature and grow in their faith. It's on page 1177. And, uh, and as he's caring about them, he decides to write about something that's a reality, and that is the struggle that they're going through. And so he gets to the end of his letter, as he's talking about all the struggle they have with their family, and with their friends, and with their boss, and with the people around them. And at the very end, he says this, finally... Finally, in light of all the stuff that you've just heard, finally be strong in the Lord. And this is like, this is like the thesis statement. This is like the main idea. This is, this is the whole thing that Paul is saying. He's saying, if you get nothing else, this is what I need you to get. Be strong in the Lord. In other words, your strength in the struggle is not you. It's not me. It's not H12. It's not M12. It's not 12 stone. It's not the worship. Your strength. Your strength in the struggle is in the Lord. That's where your strength is. So he says, finally, in light of everything, be strong in the Lord and in his, in his mighty power. And then he goes on. He tells us how to do that. He says, so here's what I want you to do. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And he talks specifically about who your enemy is. He says, as you're taking your stand, as you're being strong in the Lord, I need you to know that the person that you're fighting against is the devil. And not just that, this might come as a surprise to some of you, um, but a little known fact, the devil is a schemer. He's a schemer. See, you thought you were the only one that was a schemer, right? You thought it was just you. Hashtag green team scheme team. You know what I'm saying? Well, turns out you're not the only one. We got hashtag Satan scheme going on, okay? He's a schemer. He's a it's, it's true, he's a schemer. And, and uh, not, only, not only is he a schemer, uh, but he's got a pattern to his scheming as well. In fact, some of you in the room, some of you schemers, have a pattern to your scheming as well, because I've watched it happen. I've watched it happen. Uh, it starts off kind of something like this, right? That you just, you just happen to be in the same room as her, 
right? You just happen to be there. You kind of made your way in. And then, and then you just happen to get to know all of her friends. And then you just happen to like be sitting in that group of friends. And then, and then you just happen to get in her picture a little bit. And then you just happen to be sitting next to her. And then you happen to strike up a conversation. And oh, looky here, turns out we like the same band. How did that happen? Isn't that crazy? We like the same band. And, and then to your surprise, ladies, the guy is like, oh my gosh, The Fault in Our Stars is my favorite movie too. That is incredible. And so you start scheming your way and before you know it, you slide into the DMs, okay? I know how it works. I've seen it happen, you little schemers. I know, I know. See, because there, there is a pattern. There's a pattern to your scheming. And the result of your scheming, the result of your scheming is maybe you get a conversation with her or you get a conversation with him. Maybe the result of your scheming is that a relationship begins, right? Well, Satan is scheming too. But the result of his schemes are far more devastating. See, because the result of Satan's scheming is less joy, less peace, less comfort, more Broken relationships, broken families, broken hearts. The result of his scheming is more struggle, more depression, more anxiety. And in the same way that you've got a pattern to your scheming, our enemy has a pattern to his scheming as well. In fact, Jesus, Jesus spoke to his disciples about this. He says, I need you to know, I need you to know that your enemy has a pattern. And he lays out the pattern for us. He said this in John chapter 8. He says, there's no truth in him. And so he's talking about the schemer, the enemy of our souls. He says there's no truth in him because when he lies, when he lies, he speaks his native language for he is a liar and the father of lies. I'm sensing a pattern here, right? There is a, there's a pattern to his scheming and the pattern is he's a liar. Your enemy is a liar and he is so good at lying that many of you have no idea that he's lying to you. In fact, his lies are so believable that you thought they were true. Here's some of the lies that maybe you've believed. I'll never be good enough. Lies like I'll never be good enough. Maybe it was your dad that said it first. Maybe it was a best friend. Maybe it was a teacher but you started to believe something and you thought it was true and what you started to believe was I'll never, I'll just never be good enough. And that's a lie. Maybe for you, um, the lie that you're believing is God, God could never forgive that. In fact, there's some of you in the room that like you love Jesus, right? You're all about Jesus. You love coming to M12. Maybe for you, maybe six months ago or a year ago, you accepted Christ as your savior and so you're committed to him and you love coming here and you love singing the worship songs and every now and then, every now and then, you're reminded of your life before Jesus and you're reminded of the stuff that you've done and you try your hardest to forget about it. You try your hardest to not even think about it because in your mind, you're believing that God could never forgive that. And you're hoping that maybe you build up enough like brownie points with God that he just won't even pay attention to that because if God knew about that, he could never, never forgive that. Maybe you think back to a year ago or two years ago and as you think about that thing that you did, that person that you hurt, you start believing God could never forgive that. Or maybe there's some of you that believe the temptation. The temptation is too tough. I, 
It's too tough. I, I have to give in. Steve, Steve, the temptation is so difficult. If anyone else was in my position, they would give in to the temptation too. It's just, it's too real. It's too tough. I don't stand a chance. I have to give in. I have no other choice. Maybe, maybe for you, you believe it's only this one time. Maybe, maybe you're tempted to do something and you know it's wrong, but in your mind, you keep saying, it, it's only this one time. I'm not going to, like, I'm not going to make this a habit. I'm just, I'm only going to do it once, and I know I'm not supposed to do it, but it's only this one time. And you start convincing yourself of something. That's not true. Because you know it's going to be more than just that one time. Or maybe, and this is the one that breaks my heart the most, no one could love me. Maybe, um, maybe it's because your dad left, and you think, if my own dad can't stay around, then how could anyone love me? Like, how could anyone actually care about me if he won't even love me, if she won't even love me? Maybe for you it's a coach, maybe it's a best friend, and now you guys have split apart, and so you start thinking in your mind, no one could love me. I've tried before, but it's obvious that no one could love me, and you start believing that this is true. You're believing his lies. And the truth tonight is that believing his lies will ruin your life. Believing his lies will ruin your life. And this is true 100% of the time. Every time you give in to his lies, every time you start believing his lies, even though they're really believable and even though they're really convincing, it's going to ruin your life without exception. I I have a... uh, my grandmother on my dad's side, um, she's 86 years old, which is awesome, and uh, she, uh, we call her Grammy. Anyone else call your grandmother Grammy? Any other Grammy people in here? There's a few. I, uh, so, 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 so I call her Grammy, and uh, I found out recently that I actually spelled Grammy wrong. I was spelling Grammy G-R-A-M-M-Y. It turns out it's supposed to be I-E at the end, because Grammy with a Y is like the musical award, you know what I'm saying? So anyways, yeah, I know, I know. Some of you are like, I'm taking, that's a good one. I'm going to make sure, right? So anyways, I call her Grammy, and I love her. She is, she's awesome, and um, about, about three, three and a half years ago, uh, her husband, my grandfather, um, actually passed away. And it, it, it was incredibly sad for our family. He was kind of the patriarch of the family. Actually, this, this is really cool. Um, a- after he passed away, a few, like, a few weeks later, my grandmother went to go uh, fill up her car with gas. And she told me that it was the first time in uh, over 40 years that she'd ever filled up her car because he always did it for her. Uh, so it's, it's awesome. Anyways. Anyways, so... Uh, so, so about six months after my grandfather passed away, um, my grandmother, Grammy, got a phone call. And the guy on the other end of the phone call said, hey, Grammy, do you know who this is? And I guess the guy on the other end of the phone sounded a lot like me, and maybe his voice kind of resembled mine. And so my grandmother says, is this Steve? And the guy on the other end of the phone said, yeah, yeah, this is Steve. Um... Grammy, I'm in a lot of trouble, and, and I'm afraid to call mom and dad because I'm afraid of what they're going to say and what they're going to do, and so I knew I could call you, uh, but I need help. 
And then this guy went on to tell her that he was stuck in Mexico and that um, he didn't have any money. And the only way that um, he would be able to get home is if she wired him, if she sent him some money. And, and many of you have grandmothers that you know they would do anything for you, right? And that's, that's the way my grandmother is. And so believing that it was me on the other end of the phone, she said, well, of course, like how can I help? And the guy asked her to send a, a large amount of money. Um, he actually asked her to send $4,000. And, uh, and she did. And she wired this guy $4,000 six months after my grandfather passed away. And then he called back a few days later. And he said, hey, Grammy, uh, I got the money. Thank you so much. Um, Unfortunately, I just need a little bit more money if I'm going to make it home. And so could you send me just, just a little bit more? And so he asked for $2,000 more. And, uh, and, and she sent it to him. And uh, I, never met, I never met this guy. Uh, and I don't know what I would do if I ever did meet him. Uh, because how dare you... Pray on my grandmother who just lost her husband. How dare you lie to her? How dare you steal from her? How dare you cheat her? And see, the thing is, believing his lies cost her greatly. And you have an enemy. And your enemy is lying to you. He is cheating you. He is there to steal, kill, and destroy. And your enemy is real. And when you believe his lies, it will cost you. Greatly, because believing his lies will ruin your life. And this is without exception. And in the same way that this guy was like paying attention to my grandmother, he was studying her, he was making sure that he knew everything he could about her so that when he made the phone call, he could lie in such a way that it was believable for her. That's what your enemy does. And when you give in and you believe his lies, it will always ruin your life. And the worst part is, the enemy, the enemy of our soul, is fighting against you. He's got incredible tactics. He lies to you, and his lies are incredibly believable, and he's bigger than you. In other words, you don't stand a chance, because he is greater than you. But he is not greater than God. And that is our hope. See, because a lot of times we, we, we end up believing this lie, and the lie that we believe is that God and Satan are kind of like on the same playing field, you know? That like God and Satan are like two sides of the same coin, and you got like the good God on one side, and that's your heavenly father, and then you got the bad God on the other side, and that's Satan, right? And he's evil, and he does all those bad things, and they're in this like cosmic wrestling match, and they're going to continue fighting it out, and we don't know who's going to win because they're neck and neck, and they're right next to each other, and that's not true. See, that is a lie. The truth is God is greater. He is greater than our enemy. That's the truth for tonight. In fact, your enemy doesn't stand a chance against God. See, because God is eternal and your enemy is not. God is uncreated and your enemy is not. God is all-knowing. He knows everything and your enemy does not. God is everywhere at once, and your enemy is not. God is all-powerful. There is nothing he cannot do, and your enemy is not. 
See, it's not even a fair fight. In fact, one of the amazing things about Jesus coming to earth is that Jesus, when he died on the cross three days later, he rose to life again. And when he rose to life, he proved, he proved that he is greater than our enemy. Because when Jesus rose to life, he proved that he was greater than death, that he was greater than sin, and that your enemy does not stand a chance. And see, see, you don't stand a chance against your enemy. On your own, by yourself, you don't stand a chance. But, 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 God is greater than our enemy. I want to talk about this because, because your enemy lies to you. And I want to talk about the truth. I want to talk about the truth for a second. Because these are some of the lies that you might believe. And you can't defeat these lies on your own, but you can defeat these lies with God's truth. With God's truth. So the first lie that you might believe is I'll never be good enough. Maybe that's some of you tonight, that that's what you think. I'll never be good enough. But the truth is, God spoke through a guy named Paul in Colossians 1.12. And he said that God has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. See, you're a part of God's inheritance. And you have been qualified by God. You've been qualified. So you might think you're no longer good enough, but guess what? God says you're qualified. That's what it says in Colossians 1.12. Maybe for you, you believe God could never forgive that. And you start thinking back to all the stuff that you've done. And you think if God knew, God would never forgive that. But in Romans chapter 8, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said, there is therefore now no condemnation, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In other words, you're not condemned, you're not guilty, you're forgiven because of Jesus. Not only that, this guy named John says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. That's what's true. That's what's true. Your idea that God could never forgive that, that's a lie. In fact, when Jesus was dying on the cross, he looked out at the crowd and he said, Father, forgive them. And that's exactly what he says to you tonight. That you can be forgiven. Maybe some of you are wrestling with a struggle or a temptation. And, and in your mind, you're thinking the temptation is too tough. I, I don't stand a chance against this temptation. I have to give in. I have no other choice but to give in. But then God says to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, there is no temptation that has seized you except that which is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, God will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. So at any point when you hear the enemy whispering to you, the temptation is too tough. You have to give in. What you can say is no. No, because there's no temptation that sees me except that which is common to man. And God's faithful. He will not let me be tempted beyond what I can bear. But when I'm tempted, God will provide a way out so that I can stand up under it. That's the truth. That's the truth tonight. It's only this one time. It's, it's only this one time. And yet James, the brother of Jesus said that we have these desires in us that lead us to sin 
and sin eventually grows up and it leads to death. It's never just one time. Sin starts growing up inside of you and it eventually leads to death. And so when you start believing the lie that it's only this one time, you can tell him no, no. And then finally, no one could ever love me. No one could ever love me. See, that's, that's just not true. In fact, Jesus, right before he went and died on the cross, he gathered up his disciples knowing what was about to happen. And he said, I want you to know this. No greater love has anyone than this, that they would lay down their life for their friends. Jesus laid down his life for you, for you, because he loves you. In fact, John, many, 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 many years later, he starts reflecting on his life with Jesus, and the conclusion he comes to is a question, and it's a question that he actually answers for us. He says, how great is the love that the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God, and that's what we are. He says, it's incredible when I think about the love of God because I've been adopted and I'm a child of God. And that's true. And so when you start believing the lie, when you start believing the lie that no one could love me, that's just not true. Because Jesus paid a very high price to make sure you knew that he loves you. And then finally, when you start believing the lie that the enemy and God are are, are right next to one another. Jesus said this, the one who is in you, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. In other words, you don't stand a chance against your enemy on your own, but, 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 the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. See, your enemy, listen to guys, listen to Your enemy is bigger than you, but God is bigger than your enemy. And the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Let me pray for you. So God, we we do believe that and we need help believing it. I think about... um, the guy who was uh, following you 2,000 years ago. And you said to him, anything is possible for the one who believes. And then that guy said right back to you, I believe, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. And so God, we pray that tonight. We believe that you are greater. We believe that your truth is better than the lies of the enemy. But would you help us with our unbelief? God, I pray for the students in this room that don't believe they can be forgiven, for the students that are believing the lies, that they are guilty, that they are condemned, that there's no forgiveness for them. I pray that you would shout loudly your truth, that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. God, would they hear that truth tonight and would it beat out the lies of the enemy? For those in the room struggling with temptation, let them know that there's no temptation that sees them except that which is common to man. And God, you are faithful. You will not let them be tempted beyond what they can bear. But when they're tempted, you are the one that provides a way out so that they can stand up under it. They don't have to give in anymore. 
They don't have to give in anymore. And God, for the student in this room, that because of their dad or because of their mom or because of something that happened in their life, they believe no one could love them, would you shout loudly the truth that you sent Jesus to die for them to prove once and for all that you do love them? God, would the cross be central in their mind? And we pray that, God, as we get ready to sing, that we wouldn't just sing these, these words, that they wouldn't just be words that come out of our mouth, but they would be the reflection of what is inside our heart. That we would hold on to the truth that there's no one higher, that there's no one greater, that there's no one like our God. That you are uncreated and our enemy is not. That you are eternal and our enemy is not. That you hold the victory and our enemy does not. You are all powerful and our enemy is not. The one who is in me, the one who is in these students is greater than the one who is in the world. So would you convince the students tonight of that truth? And we ask these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.